Welcome back here to Matthews Arena. Score up to two. Merrimack and Northeast. And our score is the first game this season that Merrimack has played in which there's been no score at the end of two periods of play. I'm Mike Mackin with John Leahy. Tonight's second commission is brought to you by Merrimack Grad School. Merrimack Graduate Studies at Merrimack University will earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. Mike McMahon joins us here from the macroboard.com. And uh, first of all, Mike, have you ever seen a scoreboard this big? Uh, no. <laughs> Not a hockey rink, anyway. Uh, it actually, I'm looking at this now. It, it's wider than the neutral zone. Yeah. Like, it's, it's big. <laughs> all right, no score here at the end of two. Um, first thought. Um, obviously, the goaltending, I think, has been much improved this weekend. Uh, the play of Vogler last night, Pantano tonight, has, has been the kind of goaltending that you need in order to have a chance to win games. Uh, the goaltending's been much better this weekend, yeah. I mean, it's, it's what they've really needed if you if you look at some of the numbers. And, and it's not, when we say goaltending, I mean, I think Scott Bork has mentioned this more than once. It's not all on that one player because you got to consider quality chances and what are the quality of chances you're giving up. And, uh, but when you're stopping roughly 85% the shots that are hit the net, uh, it's, it's not going to end well for you. Uh, and we saw that. I mean, they were averaging, uh, I think, heading into this weekend, uh, over four goals a game allowed per game. That's one, I think it was actually eight worst in the country. So that needed to be better. It absolutely had to be better. Uh, I think the goaltenders have played better, but also at the same time, uh, I think the changes they've made in the defensive zone have now, uh, it's 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 resulted in the opponents having uh, not as high a shot quality. So, so while there's, I'm just going to say, while there's a high volume of shots, not many of them are necessarily grade A chances where you look at where they were before the break and it's good to have Northeastern here right after the break, right after they made the change because you can really compare and contrast and you can see that uh, they're just not getting the chances that they had in those first two games. That was the second thing I wanted to touch on was you can tell, you know, the zone defense especially, they seem to be, I think, getting a little bit more familiar with it. It seems like, you know, the first guy in, somebody picks him up right and then everybody else goes through there spot uh, in the zone, right? But you can see that you know, if you think of, I guess, a uh, comparison maybe to basketball, you know, keeping the, the play around the perimeter, that's what they're doing here. Northeastern has been on the perimeter a lot of times with the puck in the Merrimack zone, not been able to get those pucks into the slot, really, for good scoring chances. You know, there have been a couple times, a couple chances maybe, you know, plays on the back, court, back door. Not nearly as many as we had seen early in the season. I feel like overall the, the switch to zone has helped out here, but why, why do you think that they were having such an issue earlier in the season? Uh, it could be anything, really. I mean, I don't know if they just weren't used to playing that type of system. I know they made a similar change at the end of last year. Uh, I believe for the playoff series against Lowell is when they first went to this exact same D-zone setup. Uh, and it obviously worked against Lowell, and then they, I thought, outplayed BC in the playoffs. I mean, so uh, clearly it was working there. And uh, I think the, the biggest thing is, like you said, that first guy into the zone can pressure the puck, and he doesn't have to worry about any other responsibility. His only responsibility is to pressure the puck. Uh, and then you've got your other guys that set up in the zone, and it, it's all it's all pretty simple, and I think it, it allows you to cover more ice, I think, and uh, then ideally you can transition quicker, too, because you get wings high towards the top of the zone. Uh, there's just less responsibility for guys having to chase guys around the zone and, and instead of having uh, the, the instead of having the responsibility of puck pressure and kind of rotate on guy to guy, you've got one person whose responsibility you know, is now to pressure the puck and everyone else just plays their zone. 
uh, news that broke last night before the game. Patrick Holloway, who left Maine, I think it was last year, early last season, uh, is actually going to transfer to Merrimack and, and hopes to be able to play in the fall. If not, then it should be in January. Uh, pretty good player for Maine, certainly uh, relatively local. He's from uh, south of Boston, I believe. Uh, uh, I mean, this is a, this is a pretty big uh, addition to the team, I, I think, for Merrimack, right? Yeah, he left at the beginning of this year. Uh, and he'll play, he'll be eligible either at this time next year, uh, or if he wins an appeal with the NCAA, he'll be able to play in September. So uh, there's an appeal process going on right now. He left after the start of classes started, uh, after the first semester of this, this season, so this past September. Uh, when he left Maine, the classes already started. So technically, uh, this current semester is his first semester that he's sitting out, and next fall would be his second semester sitting out. Uh, but there's an appeal process you can go through with the NCAA, and I believe they're going to do that, or, or uh, they either will or have already started going through that process. But yeah, he's, uh, you know, he has the potential to be their best defenseman next year. Jonathan Kovacevic signs with the Winnipeg Jets this offseason. You know, he always would be your best defenseman next year. Uh, he's a, a Detroit Red Wings draft pick. He's had 30 points in, in 55 games, I think it was, with Maine in two years. And the other important thing to remember, too, is that that's his freshman and sophomore year. Uh, you know, you usually see guys take a pretty big jump from sophomore to junior year. So I think, you know, a lot of people look at him as he was going to be Maine's best defenseman this year. Uh, he was going to quarterback their power play. They played him on the – he quarterbacked the power play or one of the power play units, I think the second unit, his first two years. Uh, and then he's better than penalty kill. He played a lot of minutes at five on five. So he played in all situations for them and played a lot of minutes. So, yeah, he's uh, a draft pick for a reason by Detroit. And I think that, you know, he's a guy that's going to come in and, and immediately have a big role in this team. Whether it's in the fall or, or a year from now when he's eligible, he's going to have a big role as soon as he's ready. And you know, another thing, too, yeah, there was a story late last week. I think you might have had it first. Uh, Matt Barry from Holy Cross, uh, leaving Holy Cross to go to uh, Miami, uh, transferring there midway through his freshman season. It was then reported after uh, that uh, he was down to three schools, the other two being Western Michigan and Merrimack. So, uh, first of all, do you, do you know anything about that? And it's kind of interesting, I think, that you, you see that it seems like now Merrimack's much more aggressive in going after you know any any of these players that become available. But th- there's also the whole question about uh, you know a player leaving Holy Cross midway through his freshman year that seems kind of iffy there. And uh, you know, is that the kind of situation maybe that Merrimack does want to get involved in, or maybe you know the fact that it happened when it happened at that point he'd already made that decision and then may become involved that you know that it's okay you know how do you see the whole situation well new this year there's a transfer portal so it's new this season and basically a player uh, in this case Barry went to, to Holy Cross and said I want to transfer and at that point they have 24 hours to post him in this portal so that all the other teams around the country know that the player has intentions to transfer uh, that's this probably mostly happens in the off season right but it could happen mid-season like it did here um, uh, un- un- unusually I think it will happen more in the offseason. I think it just I just was instituted this past fall. It's brand new. Oh, so this is probably one of the first times that it happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked to a coach today who said there's about 10 players in the portal right now. Uh, most of them are Division three players who are posting that they're looking to transfer in an effort to move up, obviously. But, um, but yeah. So, so is it a Division one portal then? It, uh, I think it's for both. I think it's Division one and Division three. But at, at that point... Can anybody look at it? Can we go see who, who's available? I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, that's a good question. I don't think so, though. Uh, but yeah, so anyway... Once You'll have a way to find out. If there's a way to find 
down. I know you'll find it. You can ask a coach. I'm sure it'll tell you. Uh, but yeah, so he had posted himself in the portal that he was intending to transfer. That's where Merrimack got involved because Matt Barry pointed a line with, Jake, with Chase Greesock last year. Uh, they were line mates. And, and Curtis Carr is the former GM and head coach at Youngstown, which is where Barry was playing. So I think there's still some connections there. Uh, I, so I think that they thought when he posted that, hey, we might have some, some inroads here uh, between Chase and, and between Curtis. And at that point, they got involved. And, and obviously, Barry visited the school. He visited the campus. And uh, he was, you know, Merrimack was one of the finalists. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see because you don't usually see a guy transfer halfway through his freshman year. Technically, now it's going to be interesting, too, what happens with the NCAA here because he's technically violating his national letter of intent because you need to serve, you need to play for that the whole year uh, in order to fulfill the NLI. So uh, there was a question that I saw today that I, reading the rule regarding the NLI, I think he loses a year of eligibility, a, a year of, of competition, not a year of eligibility. He's going to use it, lose a year of competition. So I think when he is eligible at Miami, I think he's only got two years. Uh, so he is essentially sacrificing a season here on a transfer to Miami, which is something to consider. He wouldn't have done that if he waited to transfer at the end of the year. So it's it's interesting what and we don't know, but what what, uh, what what caused that transfer to happen now rather than the end of the year where you could have not lost the year of competition. It's it's going to be an ongoing story too because uh, it's it's the first one where we see a freshman do it, uh, and, and especially where it's a guy moving from a smaller school to a bigger school. You know, there's questions now with uh, the Big Ten. They're trying to in some sports trying to get legislation passed where you get rid of the the, the one year period where you have to sit out and transfers can play immediately. I think if that starts to happen, if that happens in hockey, if it happens in any sport, I think the smaller schools are in a world of trouble. I mean, you're going to have some schools that will be able to just recruit Atlantic hockey schools for the most part. I mean, they'll stop recruiting junior teams. You can just recruit Atlantic hockey and say, who are the best players in Atlantic hockey? And uh, yeah, we're a, a big hockey East team. We need a player. We're going to go get one. Uh, even even the smaller schools and bigger conferences like Merrimack, I mean, if you had, uh, you know, Brett Cini last year, let's say, right? Uh, if, if you're a team that needs a guy, well, let's say Brett Cini's done with his sophomore year and he's a point per game player and BU loses a guy to the NHL at the last minute and Cini can transfer to BU without having to sit, you know, would he have done it? Maybe. <laughs> so it's going to be something to watch. If that legislation does ever get passed and, and these guys and the players don't have to sit a year to transfer, it's going to it's going to make life real. It's, it's, life's already hard for the smaller schools. It's going to make life even harder for them. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. Thanks for being on top of all that stuff. We certainly appreciate it. Folks, check out his work at uh, themacreport.com, also College Hockey News and uh, the Eagle Tribune as well. And you can check him out on Twitter at uh, it's Mike McMahon, CHN, right? That it is. Right. Thanks again, Mike. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Mike McMahon, our guest here. The score is no score between Merrimack and Northeastern. End of two periods. Third period coming up. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Warrior Hockey.